Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show episode 459. My name is Chris. And my name is Noah. Hello there, Noah, live from Scale in Pasadena. It's good to have you here, sir. I'm glad this all worked out. In fact, we have a really fun episode. Noah is live in Pasadena at this year's Scale, Scale 15X. We've got interviews from System76, CoreOS, QNAP, and Blackbird, yes, or a Black Duck, which is, which is a great one because it's live right there on the floor while Noah is in the middle of uploading clips to us, and uh, he just grabs Skype and does it. Also, later on in the news, there is a big story that I am... I am so excited about that I actually purchased some hardware uh, in anticipation of this news. Speaking of hardware, there's a couple of big new laptop initiatives from companies you know and companies you've heard of but aren't traditionally known for shipping Linux. And then the Mycroft project is back in the news with really, really great news. We'll tell you what's going on over at Mycroft. Then we've got the feedback, but at the end of the show, there's like a little bit of dessert, like the cherry on top. Do you know what we've got, Noah? Let's see here. Not feedback. Not fe picks. We have picks. You got it. No, we got the picks. That's right. That's all coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. So before we get into that, I want to thank Linux Academy for sponsoring this episode of the Linux Action Show. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. I went over to the Linux Unplugged podcast, bunch of jerks over at that show, and I punched that Chris guy in the face, whoever he is, and I took his unplugged discount, brought it over to Linux Action Show to empower your mind with knowledge. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug. You go there to support the show and you sign up for a free seven-day trial. This is a platform to learn more about Linux with hands-on lab scenario-based stuff that gives you real experience. Instructor mentoring when you need it from real human beings. Learning paths, which are a series of courses and content planned by instructors for specific tracks in your career, and a community stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. And they're at scale this year. Uh, booth 303. So if you're still there, if you're in the Pasadena area watching this show live, which some of you may be, check it out. Go to booth 303 and say hey to the folks at Lix Academy. Look at the size of that plush tux. That's crazy cool. That is crazy cool. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. That's your landing place to support the show. Get a seven-day trial and just check this thing out. Linux Academy is in a real sweet spot of... Uh, Sort of the, the influx of new staff to bang out new content, existing instructors to make things great, and a funding model which is really taking off, and a great value. Check it out. So that's, it, that's more than a trifecta. Is that like a fivefecta? I, I lost count. Why don't you go count it yourself at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a huge thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. But the real story is uh, that Mr. Noah is there live at... Scale. So Noah's live at scale. We're live over at jblive.tv, streaming on this Sunday. Let's get a sense of what it's like for Noah down there at scale. So basically, um, so the vibe of scale has changed a little bit. And I'm not exactly sure of all the reasons, but um, essentially, it, it is it is uh, it's a little bit more commercial this year. Oh, really? Uh, you've seen yeah. So you've seen an you've seen a, a, a much of an uptick of people. You know, 
past years, you've got a lot of people in like um, that have like mohawks and they have like, you know, they're wearing kilts or they're yeah, wearing, yeah. Uh, you know, it's very anti-establishment, right? And, and this year you're seeing a lot of people in like dress shirts and khakis or dress shirts and dress pants. Um, you've got a lot of people that are walking around. The, the booths have gone down significantly. Um, the booths that are here seem to be, um, you know, they're, they're recruiting or they're, they're large enterprise places like, uh, like Red Hat and, and um, you know, Rackspace and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, you know, and so, and so, and uh, you know, and it shows too in the in the clientele. In the past years, every single night there has been something going on outside of 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 actual scale, right? So there has been like a, a bunch of people going out for pizza, or the Cars.com guys took us out one night for for drinks. Um, this year. <laughs> After, uh, you know, it's, it's game night. And, and of course, uh, aside from game night, there's a lot of people that are going out and doing things. This year, I could not find anyone that wanted to do something outside of, of the actual official scale game night thing that is happening here at the hotel. Um, it, it did not seem like there was a lot of stuff going on outside. Last night was was pretty decent. Um, and I had a chance to it was, it was it was OK because I had that gave me a chance to hang out with some fans. And we uh, we all went out and, and got dinner and stuff. Oh, and, good. And I. And I learned some of their uh, their intimate secrets of dun, dun, dun. <laughs> of uh, of of, uh, of uh, essentially how they're how they're grabbing some, uh, some they... secret JB content. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no. So 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 that kind of stuff happened. But it, it is de- there's definitely a shift here that that we've not seen in, in previous years, and it makes me wonder if if uh, places like Linux Fest Northwest don't have an opportunity here. Yeah, to grab some of that community traffic that's no longer coming to to scale, and if the if the, that landscape isn't shifting a little bit, um, you know, LinuxCon, uh, OSCon have not been, you know, they're you know they travel all over the place. Scale is always in the California area, and of course, there's a lot of tech jobs here, and so it was, you know, it's been very interesting to see the the attendance shift of people that are showing up now that are looking for jobs that want to be in that in that corporate space in that large you know enterprise uh, you know fortune 500 type space um, as opposed to you know the the, the grungy hacker types mm. that are that are coming here and you still I mean, have people you know, doing the work so one of the <laughs> things I, I noticed uh, is just by watching on the live stream and and the and the social network flows was sure. Thursday was like Seemed like a ghost town there. Yep. Didn't seem like most of the rooms weren't really all that full. Barely, mm-hmm. hardly anyone taking pictures and posting. The attendance yep. seemed really low on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Did, did you have any sense of that? I, you know, I wasn't here on Thursday, but Friday the attendance was far lower than it was on Saturday. Saturday was a huge uptick. Friday I was able to walk around the conference hall. I was able to, to you know, to go talk to people and yeah. stuff. Saturday it got to a point where, like, you couldn't walk up and down an, uh, an aisle without people bumping into you. Um, and so I, I think the attendance was there. I think really what it turned out to be was that there's a lot of people that weren't going to take off work on Thursday or Friday. And so they were here, you know, uh, Saturday and of course, Sunday, you know, in past years, this is another great example. On, on Sunday past years, everyone had been packing down by 1130, 12. Um, it's now three here. And there are people, you know, or, or, I'm sorry, it's uh, one, one fifty-eight, and uh, and people there, there are still most of the booths are here. There's a couple that have packed up, but most of the people are are still here and presenting. Um, and so that that's that seems to be a change from past years as well. Yeah, I noticed I noticed that some of the attendees that I've been following on Twitter has seemed to be leaving today. But mm-hmm. uh, how's the overall area? Is it warm down there? Is it nice? Yeah, it's great. You know, so I left, you know, like 10 below zero weather. Yeah. And uh, and landed here at 80 degrees. Yeah. And 78 Jeez. degrees. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting. I will actually, I'm I'm actually, 
the, the way the timing works out, just the, you know, these couple months are going to be crazy for Noah time. I, uh, so I went, I was on an anniversary, you know, uh, event for, with my wife last week, I landed from Tokyo at like 11 something and boarded a plane at 5am to come here. Um, and now I will go home. I'll be home for 48 hours and then I'll, I will be back in California because we're doing a, uh, like a family vacation with my wife's father-in-law or my father-in-law, my wife's father back here in LA on Wednesday. And then you're so. coming up to Seattle on the way back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it won't be that long before, cause I usually come out, you know, quite a bit early for, uh, for Linux Fest. I know it, it is be coming up before, before I'll be there. And I, you know, because due to the fact that it is, uh, they've delayed the Linux Fest, they put it in May now, you know, that gives us, and I already slated a lot of time in April, uh, it probably will give me more time to be out in Seattle you know, in, in April time to, it's good. to start. Cause when the, I got yeah, some things I got to show you, I haven't told you about it. Cause I just, sure. You might not visit if I tell you, but uh, you, you can help when you get here. Uh, so back to, back to, back to scale, back to, back to scale. Give me some other, give me some other metrics. Like, uh, give me, give me some other feels. What's it like? Give me the flows. So, I, I would say the, 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 the big talk of the entire conference, the big thing that everyone's talking about is system 76 and their release of their new ultra book. Nice. Um, yeah, pretty much every booth I go to, somebody is talking about it. Somebody has at least mentioned it. Um, you know, I, I go to places that, uh, you know, they, they have MacBooks lined up, you know, along their table and, uh, and I, I don't even bring it up. I'm not talking about it. I'm thinking about, you know, doing an interview and, uh, and they'll talk about it and they'll say, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm at scale this year and I don't know if you saw, but there's this company called System76, and they're making a Linux, all aluminum Linux laptop that is less than this MacBook Air that I have and has more features and, and the build quality is, is fantastic. And, and you know, as, as I go boot to booth and I kind of I kind of saw that 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 going and I, I went back to System76. I said, we got to talk about this more in depth because, you know, you really have a product here and it's it's kind of the buzz here. Um, and that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Because System76 has, has uh, up until now, has been a respected company because they are filling a niche. They are filling the, I need a Linux laptop. Now, it seems as if with this new product, they have ventured into the space of legitimately competing with mm. Apple uh, just on a on, on a raw level. Even if you don't care about Linux, you, you just want a solid... Yeah. You know, to me, it seems like, to me, it seems like two things, dude. It seems like first thing is... Um, <clears throat> you don't actually have to build a MacBook killer anymore because Apple is killing the MacBook themselves with with yeah. the price, the 16 gigs of RAM, and mm -hmm. the battery life. They are losing on competitive. Oh, and the old GPUs. They're losing right. on competitive. The, what they still have is industrial design and super fast SSDs. That's pretty great, right? But other people can build those things. So the, while the MacBook's becoming a lower bar, you also have that market that's looking at the alternative saying, well, I just need an X amount of RAM, and I need a terminal, right. and I need to get my work done, and I don't really right. want my operating system to be tugged around by the corporate tax strategy, depending right. on whatever they're into this decade. And right. I think a lot of people are starting to look around, and System76 is picking a really good time to step up to a level that is competitive on a build and design level. But yes. even I think I I think it's I think it's a disservice to say it's a it's it's comparing to the MacBook because the MacBook can only have 16 gigs of RAM and right. it has an old GPU. So well, in some senses, it already outclasses the MacBook. And I, and I don't want to ruin any of the interviews that I, that I captured, but you know one of the interesting things about this new the the new Galago is that it has external GPU. 
So you have the they have a, a, a device that you can plug a a, a desktop GPU, desktop grade GPU into, and then it has a connector that plugs into this laptop, and you can have it, so you can have one of these at you know in your RV, you could have one of these in your office, and when you need to sit down and do some video editing, you plug in your external GPU, and now you have you know Nvidia GPU, and when you're out on the road, you have you know 15 hour battery life because it's this tiny little ultrabook on Intel graphics, and that's, that's gonna be a, a game changer. That, exactly, yeah. that's a feature yeah. that just offered by most manufacturers. Yeah. You know what? No, so, let's roll that interview right now. Obviously, one of my favorite booths at the Scale Expo. We're here with James with System76. James, how's it going? Excellent, thank you. How are you having fun today? I, I, I'm, I was having fun just going through the conference, but then I got to your booth and I started playing with your toys. Now I'm really having fun. <laughs> Tell me about your new lineup, and then I want to talk about that thing. That thing in specific is our brand new Galago. We have released several systems here recently. Our brand new 96 core ARM server. Uh -huh. The thing is a beast. It'll hold up to a terabyte of RAM and push it through on 96 threads. That guy we debuted yesterday at the keynote Thursday morning. Then we've also uh, released our brand new Ibex GPU server as well. So about three weeks ago, an 8 GPU, 2U server with I believe it's 40,000 CUDA cores in it right now. Wow. All the way to, you know, crunch any amount of data that you might want to process. So, and you guys are, you know, obviously you have, you're updating your laptop lineup. I know you have the new Oryx Pro has, I have the first generation of the Oryx Pro. Oh, uh, th this one has an upgraded keyboard. You also have an, uh, an upgraded uh, digital audio system that is on the side of it. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So we've got a new... Uh, digital audio system, it's got an SPDIF out, optical audio out, uh, full high quality Sound Blaster DAC in it. Uh, Texas Instruments, I think, did the chips on it. Uh, also has a brand new shiny backlit keyboard, completely software independent. Uh, color cycles through about eight or ten different colors. Gorgeous. It's fun to play with. And you guys made a, a, a bunch of changes to, to the ODM hardware to make sure that that works flawlessly right out of the box with Linux because it's being handled at the hardware level, not some stupid software thing that's hacked onto the top. Yeah, exactly. The, we had issues initially with the DAC not functioning correctly, so we went back up to upstream. We did several rounds with them saying, here's the, you know, we have to hit the pins in this certain fashion. The kernel needs to be able to talk to it this way. And they changed things around for it, so now it works flawlessly out of the box. It's been wonderful. That's fantastic, and um, you have one more. Is this the? This is the uh, 14 inches. Is the? Uh... This is the 14 inch lemur laptop that we've got right now. This is our traveler. This is our mainstream model. Comes with either an i3 or an i7, and probably has one of the longest battery lives out of our system. We're looking probably about six hours on a good full charge right now. Okay. Outstanding. And all of these laptops. Oh no, all of these laptops except for the Galago are for sale right now. Oh yes, everything is for sale except for the Galago. Galago will be out in April, so only two more short months. We've got a few more features we want to put on that thing, and then the whole public can have it. How about the ARM server? Is that available for purchase right now? ARM server is shipping right now. You can purchase it today, six to ten business days, and we will ship it, and you will have it in your business or home immediately. You got a ballpark of what that server runs? Yeah, I think it's right around 6,500, I want to say. Definitely our website's the best place to see all of, of our prices. Everything's laid out. Everything's highly configurable. Mm -hmm. And what is your target audience for that ARM server? What, what, what are you looking to, to tackle with that exactly? Oh, we don't know yet. <laughs> we found a niche. We found a place where they said, here's ARM servers. Here's what we can do with this. And we said, we're going to get one of those, and we're going to put one of those in market. So sure. right this second, I'm not sure who's going to use it, but I'm guessing that we will be surprised. We don't know what it's for, but 
we're going to make sure that it's available yes. from System76, and with, we'll put our name on it, we'll put our stamp on it, we'll put our support behind it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's amazing what the architecture can do. It's amazing to watch 96 cores cook along. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to see a, a highly threaded process to really utilize this software. It can really push some data through it. Now, as System76 as a company, your team is growing, right? Like, you've been here for just over, uh, under a year, just over a year? Just right at a year now, myself, yeah. We're, uh, we're up to... 15 people now, I believe, so several recent hires this last year. It's uh, It's been a wonderful period of growth, and we're actually looking to get into manufacturing our own systems now. We're searching for warehouse space, and we've just purchased several high-grade uh, machining equipment, some high-grade lasers, and we're going to start making our own desktop. You guys have built a name on taking less profit so that you can provide a cost-effective product to your customers. Um, and now what you're telling me is you're going to be cutting out that middleman so you can bring that profit, you can bring that price down even lower and provide a more cost competitive product without sacrificing any quality, actually really probably upping quality because you'll be, you'll be tooling all of this yourself and quality control is then in-house. You're going to be making those computers right here in the United States. I know, isn't that amazing? American manufacturing here in Denver, Colorado, we're going to put these things together, we're going to design it, and we're going to listen to everybody that talks to us too. We've got some amazing designs right now, and it's not going to be anything that you've seen before. It's going to be a desktop first, and it's going to not look anything like you've seen before. That's fantastic. That's absolutely outstanding. And I'm, you guys have a long track record of doing a really good job behind your customers. We're thank really you. excited to see oh, you. where you guys go forward. Anything else that you want to share or, you know, about the direction of System76 or new things that might be coming up? Well, this brand new Galago is definitely worth sharing about. It is one of the lightest systems we have. It only weighs 1.3 pounds. This thing is lightweight and portable. It's got an aluminum chassis. It's going to be very durable and travel worthy. And we are going to put a 4K screen in it. I mean, this thing is going to look awesome because of the high DPI and the extra resolution gained by it. Fantastic. That looks absolutely outstanding. I'm really excited to see where this goes. I think this is a direction that, that uh, a product that people have really wanted for a long, long time. I'm glad to see you guys getting into this. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks for all you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming by. Man, that laptop does look crazy nice, Noah. So you got to hold it. It felt good. It felt solid. Yeah, I actually, I actually, I the it was actually the first thing because everyone was talking about it at scale. It's one of the first things I did was when I got into the expo hall. I went over there. I said, wherever that laptop is, I want to look at it. They handed it to me. I looked at it. I spent like probably forty minutes to an hour playing with it, and then good man, uh, <laughs> then good I tried man, to from, tried to steal it from them. But it's it's it, it whatever you think it looks like or whatever you think I've described it like in the show. It's better in real person, oh, in real I, life. I can't wait. I want a review unit. So there's a project that we haven't talked to for a long time on the show, and Noah had a chance to get an update from Core OS. Is there anything we need to know before we jump into this interview? No, they're just uh, they're great people, and it's it's very interesting. All right, we're here at Scale, and one of the booths I had to go say hi was Mike and Ryan from the Core OS team. Now, Core OS is one of those projects that is is has been very interesting over the last few years because it's... It, it kind of tackles almost that universal Linux problem, right? How are you guys doing today? So we're doing great, thanks for asking. Uh, this is an exciting, exciting time here at Scale. We, uh, we hit, got the opportunity to teach a workshop on Kubernetes yesterday for about four hours, and there was a packed room of over 120 people. There's people sitting in the aisles in the back, and overall the energy was just really positive. A lot of people learned amazing things about Kubernetes, how to manage container workloads, and how CoreOS fits into all of this. So I'm having a great time. Uh, Ryan, what do you, have to, what do you think? 
I, it's been a great show so far for us. I think it's really cool to see all the uh, enthusiasm about this move towards containers mm -hmm. and uh, making it practical uh, for folks to really get their hands on this technology and give them solid next steps on how to be productive uh, with, with containers. So yeah, it's been really uh, a lot of fun. What cool things are coming up uh, from CoreOS? What cool things are you guys working on that we can look forward to? I think uh, main thing to keep note of is uh, if you're familiar with CoreOS Linux, we've rebranded that as uh, CoreOS Container Linux. Okay. So uh, search for us as Container Linux now um, if you're looking for the Linux distribution. Uh, other than that, our main focus lately has been building great products around Kubernetes, uh, the kind of distributed solution for running lots of machines and scheduling your containers across that cluster. Uh, and it provides a lot of great features like auto-healing when uh, particular workloads or even a whole nodes fail. We'll be able to you know, repair those workloads uh, or reschedule them on other available nodes. Uh, things like uh, automatic uh, security updates are something we're trying to provide. And Mike had a great demo about our uh, Tectonic solution yesterday at the end of the workshop. Tell me about that. So Tectonic is CoreOS's product around pure upstream Kubernetes delivered to the user with additional enterprise features that are missing out of the core project today. And in that Tectonic product, we not only allow you to consume Kubernetes literally upstream, um, but it's so it's so close to upstream that we're really trailing upstream by two weeks. Um, we're we're not a fork of Kubernetes. We just package it in a particular way that allows us to deliver self-driving infrastructure and updates to the platform. So that way, people are using the latest and greatest from Kubernetes as well as the enterprise features that they need to really kind of power their organizations. And one of the main things that we are really focusing on in Kubernetes, aside from just enabling that on the CoreOS stack, is really about bringing the the self-updating nature that CoreOS, the, the container Linux distro is known for, to the overall um, higher, higher stack around Kubernetes. So we can deliver self-updates to not only the distro itself, but the container platform manager Kubernetes on top of it. So we can do the full stack um, self-updating in a way where Patch Tuesday is a thing of the past. And so really you can just focus on maintaining your server workloads and really bringing Giphy, what we call Google infrastructure for everybody else, and enabling that in the public so that people can have the same tools that folks like Google have had internally, but now they can now use it to revamp their stacks, make sure that they, like, they can cut down on costs in terms of infrastructure, and they can really be putting the developers and the ops folks to do more productive things like writing software that's pertinent to their organizations as opposed to managing software, which is a very tedious and manual task that unfortunately has plagued the industry with numerous like 3 a.m. phone calls around pager duty issues and whatnot. So it's really about making sure that we can deliver that self-driving infrastructure in a way that is novel and new, but at the same time that it works with pure upstream play. We're very, we're very huge on open source at CoreOS. A lot of the tooling and documentation we have and our products are open source. We're huge into that community. And we want to make sure that not only are we staying true to that nature, but that we're doing it in the right way where folks can just literally just kind of set it and forget it. And that's really the, the, the path that we're on. We have a lot of work to do in terms of making sure that this stuff is truly hands off, but we're getting there closer and closer every single day. That's fantastic, and you know, thank you very much for being so committed to open source. You, you speak a lot about Kubernetes. For somebody that doesn't know, exactly what is a Kubernetes? So Kubernetes is your platform for managing container workloads. And so in short, uh, 
Google has been basically using containers for the last 10 to 15 years internally to manage Borg. Borg is their system where everything from Gmail to Google Maps to all the products that you've known and loved from Google have run, and that's managed all in containers. And they deploy containers about to two billion containers a week. So that infrastructure, as you can imagine, every time that one of us signs into Gmail or one of us signs into Google Maps, these are workloads and processes that are being spun up in the background. And there's a lot of them. And so when you extrapolate that across an entire globe, right, of people who are using these products, these workloads get hard to manage. So you really need a platform that allows you to declaratively describe how you want to run your software, how you want to manage its lifecycle, and on top of that, how do I actually manage all of these containers at large scale across a massive distributed cluster. So Kubernetes is, in short, a way to manage containers in a very efficient way that provides you with many levers and knobs to tweak to your customization depending on how you actually want to run your applications. Nice. Have the goals and objectives for CoreOS changed since you guys started? Have you guys pivoted? I mean, you, so when I started, you said that now look for us as CoreOS yeah. container. Uh -huh. has, has that pivoted at all? I think, I think we've kind of doubled down on our focus around uh, Kubernetes and really uh, started to focus a lot more specifically around what we can do in that space to make Kubernetes easier to deploy, easier to manage, easier to update. Um, our workshop yesterday was really kind of a, a we used a, a local development version of Kubernetes called Minikube, a very small scale, so everyone could get their hands on it and, and try that kind of a, basics uh, in a small-scale environment, but uh, really deploying a large cluster is really the purpose of Kubernetes, and we want to make it as easy and as painless as possible to get those clusters provisioned and to manage them over time. So we've really been razor-focused on those goals. Outstanding. Mike and Ryan from CoreOS, where can people find you if they want more information? CoreOS.com and CoreOS on Twitter as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So we're here live at scale, impromptu. And interestingly enough, yesterday, I went around the floor. I was doing interviews all day. And turns out there are two microphone jacks on the camera. And one of them, it, it records normally, as you expect. The other microphone jack, it turns out, doesn't record at all. That's that's a great feature. Thank you, Canon. And so uh, and so I there, there's a couple of interviews that I actually lost. One of them was with Black Duck Software. And so as it turns out, they were kind enough to provide me with a wired internet connection so I could actually upload these clips. And so I'm standing uh, with uh, with Tim here again uh, from Black Duck Software. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hey, Noah. We're doing well. Great. So uh, tell me all the things that you told me yesterday when when my when my equipment failed. <laughs> so um, let's see. So Black Duck Software is in the business of open source risk management. And for us, that means things like um, license compliance. So we started out as a company, call it a dozen plus years ago, looking at the obligations that are associated with a given set of open source licenses. So that was back in the days when GPL, ooh, very, very scary. We can't, why would we want to, yeah. Today, it's more about being aware of the true obligations associated with using a given piece of componentry that you're getting from wherever in the upstream uh, ecosystem and being truly compliant to its requirements. So have you put together an MIT license correctly? Uh, have you created the notice file associated with Apache licenses? If you've got the give me a beer license, did you give me a beer? That kind of things. Mm -hmm. that's, that's one piece of risk. Mm -hmm. um, 
commercial entities really care about that, uh, particularly when they're going through things like having a new VC round, uh, private equity coming in and mergers and acquisitions type thing, or bringing in a third party component where lawyers start to get a little skittish about exactly what open source is. They understand commercial licenses really well, but open source ones are, you would expect today, kind of well understood, but they're not necessarily there. Second thing is around um, security vulnerabilities in open source. So if I had a commercial hunk of software, I'd go and let's just take Microsoft as an example. They would produce an advisory for uh, something that would say, here's my update. It comes out on patch Tuesday. And I go and I do what I need to do. And I know that Microsoft has tested it the way that they would normally test it. And the world's a happy place because Microsoft is taking responsibility for it. In an open source world, we've got forks. We've got derivative works. We've got all of these things where goodness comes into existence. And it's the responsibility of both the upstream creators and the downstream consumers to actually be up to speed on stuff. And so that creates a real challenge when a vulnerability is disclosed that does this impact me? Does it not? I've got a fork. I've got something that's coming in as a derivative work. I've got a transient dependency six levels deep. Do I actually have an impact on it? We're able to highlight all of that. And the third thing is uh, what we refer to as operational risk. And operational risk is really about being tied to a version of a component. So I make a point in time decision that I'm going to include a version or a commit ID of a given component. That's a point in time decision. Hopefully there's still ongoing development and at some point that rubber band is gonna stretch out and I need to resolve it. There might be API changes and so forth uh, that are part of the normal development cycle and we would see it in there. Or maybe I chose a branch that I thought was really, really cool because it said master, not realizing that all the new cool features were going on the V2 and in fact my master was dead. So being able to have that kind of information is also part of having a proper open source risk strategy. Awesome. And you said that, uh, you know, yesterday when we were talking, you were talking about how a lot of people get their responsible disclosures from given news sources or, or, or um, you know, or, or, or given vectors. And sometimes that's not always the best idea. Talk about that a little bit. So the question that I've been asking a lot of people coming up to the booth is, would you rather get your security information from Hacker News or NIST, the National Institutes of Science and Technology? I prefer Hacker News. So if you've got your information coming from Hacker News, what you're really looking at is a website that is in the business of driving traffic to itself for its advertisers and generating revenue. Nothing wrong with that at all. They, however, are going to choose the things that are going to generate the greatest number of eyeballs. So something like, say, Dirty Cow, Gee Whiz, Linux versions for the last X years are all impacted. That's going to be a huge deal. It's going to generate a lot of activity. And that's a good thing. And it's a really good thing when you think about that the National Vulnerability Database, which is what NIST is all about, might be latent. So you want as much awareness out there. And in the case of Dirty Cow, that specific CVE information didn't come out until close to three weeks later. Now, the real problem is that while you're going to get, for practical purposes, almost everything through NIST, mm -hmm. but it might take a while, Hacker News isn't going to take everything. So Dirty Cow is going to suck up a lot of bandwidth and a lot of uh, eyeballs and attention to the exclusion of other things. So if you're only getting your information from Hacker News, you're going to be missing stuff that might be relevant to your environment. And that's why you want an organization like Black Duck who is monitoring for all of this type of activity. Our knowledge base is one of our most prized assets. It's about a half a petabyte Hadoop cluster at this point with commit activity going back a dozen or so years for a variety of projects measured in millions, that all of the branches associated with that, and 
we take that information, the commit information, and marry it up against the event information coming from roughly about 9,000 different uh, web sources to give you a very clear picture on what the risk is associated with a security vulnerability. That The net of which is that we might actually be able to tell you about a problem before it hits the wire, not because we're somehow subverting things, but because we can marry the pieces of data and just be faster. And so you could be in a position where your boss comes to you and says, aha, I saw this vulnerability on this uh, news source, Big Hacker News, and it sounds like it's really scary, and do we have an issue? And you can go and say, um, we did, we fixed it a couple hours ago, and that's because we had Black Duck, right. which is awesome. Sure, yeah, or a couple days ago in the case of NIST, right? or a couple of weeks ago in the case of NIST. And, and the, the, the timeline for Dirty Cow was actually really interesting for us because the all the press really hit on the 20th and 21st of October. Uh, NIST didn't have anything material until 10th of November or so. That had Halloween. We had one of our sales uh, account managers dress up as Dirty Cow as her Halloween costume. So would you rather have that gap where somebody can be walking around dressed up as like a bovine individual with like mess on them and you don't know why yeah for sure so if so and and we we went into this a little bit yesterday but so if you have a you know so black duck software is it's not necessary it is both a service and a software stack is that correct Correct. So we have what we refer to as on-demand, which will go and do the audits, like the venture capitalist stuff that I mentioned before. But there's also the product component. And the product component today is called Black Duck Hub. And it's really three pieces of technology. There's the knowledge base, which we host, largely because A, we're able to update it on an as-needed basis, and B, because you probably don't want us shipping you a half a petabyte or 500 terabytes worth of data on an, on an as-needed basis. Um, the hub server itself which is web UI with APIs and so forth, and a scan client. And the scan client is going to look at two distinct things. It's going to look at the source code that you have, and we'll scan for a variety of different languages, um, and look at the source, hash that up, match that against our knowledge base, and say you have or don't have uh, issues, or you've got derivative work. So forks of forks, we can actually detect that. If you've got a vulnerability that's disclosed against something, uh, a specific release, and you forked it, where you forked it relative to where that commit ID that's being patched is um, matters. And so we're able to identify that sort of thing as you've got a derivative work. And so the combined solution, the hub piece of scan engine, that's on premise to you or posted in Amazon as the case may be, but owned by you. Mm -hmm. So we never see your source, which is huge for commercial entities who are building their future on open source. Excellent. If people wanted more information or they wanted to sign up for services, where would they go? The best place is to go to blackducksoftware.com. Tim, blackducksoftware.com. Thank you so much, not only for the interview, but also for saving this, this week's episode of our show because your internet connection, your cable, is providing us the bandwidth and, and, and the uh, utility that we need to actually move uh, the video files that we recorded uh, all day yesterday up back to the studio. Awesome. Happy to help. Happy to help out anytime. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, sir. I don't know if we've ever bumped into QNAP at a Linux event before. Have we ever bumped into QNAP? I think this is a first, right? No, this will be a first. Yeah, all right. So Noah had a chance to chat with the guys that built my NAS, which I'm actually currently in the process of RMAing. Hmm. But let's see what QNAP had to say. 
Scale is really the place where you get to put faces to the names of the companies that you're so familiar with. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did a review of one of the QNAP network storage devices. Chris liked it so much that he ended up actually taking it home with them and decided that was going to be his new primary storage server. And I'm here with Eric, and he's from QNAP. How are you, Eric? Good. How's it going? Excellent. So you guys are out here. I, I don't know. Have you been to Scale before? Yeah. we. This is, uh, I believe, our sixth or seventh year that we've done Scale. Okay. Yeah. I didn't run into you guys last year, but then again, I didn't understand the, you know, the fantastic product that you guys made until you sent us one out to review and then we got a look at it. It's quite incredible. Tell me a little bit about uh, the QNAP for somebody that maybe doesn't know about it. Okay, okay. Well, we have solutions uh, for home, for small, medium business, up to large enterprise solutions. Mm -hmm. um, well, basically, what we're doing at Scale is, I mean, uh, anybody that's come to Scale and saw, seen our solutions, uh, I mean, it's, it's storage, it's Linux-based, mm -hmm. and you can run containers on it. You, we also have a bunch of Linux applications for developers out there who want to develop an application. We give you the platform to upload your application and, and the exposure to give it to to a bunch of clients. Um, what we're showcasing here at QNAP is our, I mean, I'm sorry, at, Lit, at scale, mm -hmm. is um, Q, QNAP uh, IoT containers. Uh -huh. Basically, we're giving, I mean, on our, you can use our container station, mm -hmm. and with our container station, gives you a gateway, a rules engine, a database, and a dashboard, all in one, that you can use for, it's basically, we give the IoT platform to, sure. for development. So that's part of what we're showcasing, and also just, you know, waving the flag yeah, yeah. <laughs> for storage as well. For sure, for sure. Right. Uh, name recognition is everything. So one of the things that really stood out to me about QNAP that really set itself apart from other uh, competitors is that this is not a file server. I mean, it is a file server, right. but it's so much more than a file server. Oh, definitely. The QNAP itself is basically a mini cloud services box. Right. And so you guys have, you know, the ability to run a Plex server. You have the ability to run, uh, you know, to, to, you know, uh, downloading services and stuff like that. Right. Tell me a little bit about what what goes into how you how you pitch that to customers and how you set yourself apart from your uh, from your competition. Like, for example, FreeNAS. A lot of people out there would say, "Well, I should just get a FreeNAS box, right?" Right. right. Well, I mean, it's we always have that option. Um, but we support we support our, our products. We have our tech support team, our marketing team. And if you have any questions, I mean, we have a big support team. I mean, if anything goes wrong with your free NAS, I mean, you're kind of on your own. Uh, but besides the NAS, you can, I mean, it's storage, centralized storage, your own private cloud. You can use it for surveillance. You can use it as, as your own Dropbox. Mm -hmm. Also a media player, you, know, you can run Plex on it. Um, we used to, be, give you the how I mean we used to have uh, Cody you could run Cody yeah, on sure. it uh -huh. um, fortunately now we don't offer that but you can still download Cody you can go back and get an older version of mm -hmm. uh, uh, I mean the latest version of Cody and upload it onto your NAS mm -hmm. but um, I mean surveillance as well I mean there's so much you can do it's just not just a server box it's sure. uh, there's so much you can do with it as well are a lot of people using it for surveillance um, yeah I mean we we have we also have an NVR product uh -huh. which is more popular uh, Latin America uh -huh. um, we're Focusing more on NAS because if you went with our NVR, um, you're limited to just, it's just for surveillance. Sure. Now we give you the camera licensing purchasing option. Okay. So you get the NAS and you can, it comes with camera licenses and you can get additional licenses as well. And it has all the capability of an NVR as well. Now, what kind of cameras do I need to use that NVR, the NVR capability of the NAS? Well, we're, we have a compatibility list of about 3,100 different cameras. Oh yeah, so pretty much any major manufacturer IP camera out there uh, we're compatible with. If not, if the camera supports OnViv, which is kind of universal software, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can use OnViv as well. Okay, and the, uh, the, and the, the 
it does it do like multiplexing? Like, you can plug it into a display and see like all seven cameras up, or is it just recording and archiving? Yeah, you, you can you can uh, multiplexing. You could also see it has different uh, um, monitor features like mm -hmm. detect, uh, motion detection. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, different. I mean, it's a full on full-scale surveillance uh, system. How about a smartphone app? Am I able to log in and see it remotely on my smartphone? Correct. You can you can also, you know, if the camera has PTZ, you can you can uh, move wow. the cameras around as well. Yeah. Wow. That's that's absolutely fantastic. And what are you guys demoing here on your uh, on the on the display setup here? Um, we have our new QTS which has a couple new updates or a new interface. Um, we have some of our new uh, NAS models here, which uh, as of six months ago, we came out with our 51 series, which is our new home series. That is, uh, has a direct connect option. Um, so it's not just a NAS, you can use it as a desk as well for like photographers or people who have a bunch of data on their laptop that they just want to transfer stuff over and are limited on, um, so you don't have a network connection right away. You can just plug, plug in your NAS, uh, download the QFinder and drag and drop all your files directly onto the NAS. So it's a NAS and a DAS as well. And um, yeah, we have a couple of new models that we're showcasing here. Outstanding. If people wanted to find more information about QNAP, where could they go? They can go to our website at www.qnap.com or you can email us at usasales.qnap.com with any questions. Outstanding. Eric, QNAP.com, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate having you. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate it. Wow, just as we come to the end of the uh, interviews, Noah, it looks like scale itself is coming to an end. They're clearing out there. Yeah, they're wrapping out the uh, you know the, the in in past years the expo hall is they they have uh, they've closed out around eleven noon this time all the way to the end of the episode. Uh, there's still people here. There's actually a couple people that still are at booths, but most people are packing up and and heading out. Yeah, it's a, you know the thing is on a Sunday it's a good time to get out and travel. So, Noah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making it down there. I regret that I couldn't make it. I'm glad we got a little Linux Action Show coverage. Now you know what? Now we start prepping for Linux Fest Northwest, which is going to be exactly. a huge show. I am so excited. Live show at Linux Fest Northwest. We'll have a booth there. We're in a big, big. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. So if you're thinking about going, go to linuxfestnorthwest.org to find out the details. And maybe if you can't go to Linux Fest this year, maybe we'll see it scale next year. the news live from scale and this episode is brought to you by ting go to last.ting.com not only to support this show keep us on the air and let ting know you heard about it here but to get 25 dollars off a ting device or 25 dollars in ting credit now here's the mind-blowing thing about ting bottom line on average you're going to pay 23 bucks per device that's after your minutes your messages and your megabytes so if you think about it, 25 dollars service credit that actually makes a big difference it's going to probably pay for more than your first month the reason why is ting doesn't charge you for a whole big batch of minutes messages and megabytes ahead of time you don't have to like be a precog and figure out how many of these things you're going to need i will need one gigabyte i will need 500 text messages and i sense 30 minutes of phone calls you don't have to do that with Ting. You just pay for what you use. Minutes, messages, megabytes. You pay at the end of the month. That's it. $6 for the line if you want one device or multiple devices. You want 10 devices. It's $6. It's a great deal. Even if you're a business. In fact, if you're a business, double down on this. You're almost guaranteed with like a few lines to start saving money. Who else can compete at $6 a line? Ain't nobody competing with that. Go to last.ting.com to learn more. You can click the What Would You Save button. They have fantastic customer service. Really good stuff. Passionate people that actually work with you, stick with an issue longer than you'd even stick with it yourself. And that really comes through because if you put a family member, a friend, or a coworker on it, 
You don't necessarily want to play tech support after that. You want to switch them, but then you got stuff to do. That's why really great customer service is key. And then, for those of you like me that just prefer to manage it all yourself, they've got tools that really give you control. Stuff for your phone, stuff for your tablet, and a web app that really works well. Combine that with their customer service, it's a good combo. Then, just to top it all off, you get to pick between GSM or CDMA depending on what works better in your area or what your usage needs are. Last.ting.com to get started. And then, go look at their latest blog about different cord cutting news. This is huge. It's not really Linux related, so we haven't talked about it on the show. But personally, I think this is going to be a game changer. It's a little expensive. And Ting has a whole write-up about it on their blog. But for 35 bucks a month, YouTube TV is going to give you ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, and about 35 other cable channels, including Disney and ESPN and MSNBC and Nat Geo. It's going to be like a whole live streaming DVR. It's, it's like, the, like you, will, you will subscribe to TV shows like you subscribe to YouTube channels in the future. I think it's going to be a game changer. They got a whole write-up about it at Ting's blog. But do me a favor and start by going to last.ting.com. Last. And a huge thank you, huge thank you to Ting for uh, bringing this episode to you live because I am right now live on my Ting hotspot. There you go, man. Very much so, as a matter of fact. So let's talk about the big news there from Scale, the new System seventy six Galago Pro, which uh, OMG Ubuntu says is a potential MacBook killer. I don't really like that benchmark anymore, but it looks like a really fine machine. Now, now Noah, we've already kind of covered, uh, obviously, the hands-on and, and an interview about it, so I don't really have much more to add other than I'm very excited about a KB like with 32 gigs of RAM. I did want to mention it in the news just simply because it's also what people on the Internet are talking a lot about. So big tip of the hat there to uh, System76. Looks like April, priced around $899. And, uh, Fantastic. And whatever you think you've seen on the internet, it, yeah. it is better in person. Hmm. My only regret for the for the new Galago is that they didn't announce this product a couple of weeks ago when I was dumping all of my old machines and upgrading because I would <laughs> it would it would have been an, it would have been a no brainer yeah. to upgrade to this machine. I mean, hands down. You know, I asked Carl two years ago. I asked him point blank. I said, Carl, will you ever offer a 13 inch aluminum ultrabook because that that's my that that is what i need to to live my life and he looked me right in the face and he said no and when i ran into him this year as soon as he saw me he cracked up and started laughing he's like yeah i know what you're going to say a couple years ago <laughs> you asked me and i said no but it's here now the world has demanded a 13 inch ultrabook and a system is here to deliver so interesting yeah. you know something else that uh, mike told me about cuz he went to the super fan event um uh-huh. from mike from coda radio uh, told me that they're working on acrylic cases for their desktop PCs. Did you see? Do they have any nope. of those there at the booth by chance? You know who, you know who designed that? The um, you know the, the the gal that has like the the very well done makeup and always dresses super nice, and she's always in like the videos for the uh, for like the she's uh, like the PR video girl or whatever. She does all of their creative stuff, and she was actually the one, despite being like a PR person and a, you know a, a creative person, she's the one that actually did like the design of like picked out the case and put everything together and what the what. The oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Like. Well, she, yeah, she. The, I can't. Remember, Kate, Kate. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Kate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. are really. So she has a really good design, design sense. Yeah, she that right, right. that makes sense. They they put her in charge of designing. The, yeah, yeah. Huh. So it's fantastic. That's cool. So this is a company that uh, folks like our editor, the Beard, are following pretty closely. A lot of you out there probably heard of Razor before, and they're not known for their Linux support. But Razor's co-founder and CEO has been sussing it out. You might say. Now he hasn't said they're going to provide any official support. So this like 
this is not a comparison to System76, who's a company that's all in on Linux. This is a company that's beginning the phase of, of dipping their toes. But I still think it's interesting because the uh, CEO on his Facebook uh, page, I guess, I don't know what you Facebookers call it, but he said the Razer Blade series have become the default coding machine for many out there. And one of the most common asks is for us to support Linux on it. We're looking into it and we're inviting all Linux enthusiasts to weigh in on the new corner on the insider, to, uh, which is like their form, uh, to suggest how they could make the best notebook in, notebook in the world that supports Linux. And uh, well, I have a link to the corner, quote unquote. Make sure you uh, you got to decide, guys, if you want to allow notifications from insider.razorzone.com. Make sure you, you think <laughs> long, long and hard about that. Have you noticed how every damn website in the world wants to send notifications here? It's just yeah, the worst. I just blame, I honestly, that, that came about about the same time that my phone keeps trying to update every five freaking minutes. So basically, I blame the whole thing on you. Yeah, okay, fine. That <laughs> totally makes sense to me. Uh, so anyways, if you want to tell Razor why they should support Linux, they've only got seven pages on this form. That should be 700, guys. So let's make this happen. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Let's get Razor to make a Linux laptop. Uh, seven pages, please. Please. You could have seven pages about what are, you, what are you listening to right now on a form in 15 minutes. It'd be seven pages long. Come on! Come on, insider.razorzone.com. Go there. Let's all get fired up about it. <laughs> all right, I want to talk about Minecraft real quick. You see any Minecraft stuff there? You see any AI stuff there, Noah? I mean, no, I haven't. I mean, obviously, I ran into Ryan. I said hello to him. But uh, but beyond that, no, I've not seen any what about, uh, Minecraft uh, stuff, any AI stuff. What about those guys over at Canonical? You see any Canonical guys there? Yeah, there are some Canonical guys, yes. Uh-huh. Crazy they're, guys. They're, they're, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if Canonical could uh, chew gum and walk at the same time because they're also at Mobile World Congress, which is going on kind of during scale, too. They kind of overlap, in a sense. And uh, Canonical went all in with a huge booth at Mobile World Congress. So I wasn't sure, but that's cool to see that they're there. It's great that they have wired connections here. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, okay. All right, Mycroft. Let's talk about Mycroft. They just got a big investment from... Jaguar. That's how you say it. Jaguar. Which, uh, so the Jaguar uh, car company obviously would be interested in Mycroft because of their in-car computer systems. And uh, they've just landed a strategic partnership with uh, Jaguar Land Rover. The Kansas City-based artificial intelligence startup, Mycroft, is among the first startups to enter the Portland-based Jaguar Land Rover Tech Incubator, which provided Mycroft with $110,000 in full-time engineering support and investment. Mycroft CEO Joshua said that the company's goal is to see Mycroft tech used in Jaguar vehicles by 2020. I'm sorry, Jaguar vehicles by 2020. He noted that according to J.D. Power, voice control is the single most complained about feature of a new car, which makes it an opening. You know what, dude? Absolutely. It is, it's bad. I, you know, I, I have, I just recently got done doing new car shopping with my fiance Hadia, and we tried, we tried, Hondas. We tried lots of used cars that had like, like voice control that was just like a couple of years old. Man, it feels like the '90s. Have you ever gotten like in a rental or a car that has voice control? It's the time. Yeah. In fact, I, 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 I've gotten to the point where I actually prefer one-way communication. So I don't mind if the car talks to me, but I don't want to have to talk to it because it will never understand me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so that would be great to see something change. I think. I think one of the things that I find super frustrating a lot about these is. Really, really dumb command syntax. So, for example, uh, Hadia has a Ford Focus. My fiance has a Ford Focus, and that has the Microsoft Sync system. I admit it, it's Sync. It's a Microsoft system, and it's not too bad, but it's like um, 
So you hit the button, and it's got this little talk button. And in the, you can tell it to switch to Bluetooth audio or USB. Not USB audio. And you don't tell it to switch to Bluetooth. So it's Bluetooth audio or USB. And you cannot say just Bluetooth, and you cannot say USB audio. It will not understand you. So you have to say switch to USB or switch to Bluetooth audio. Now, I bring this up because I feel like something like Mycroft might actually be able to bring in some intelligent parsing, sort of like the Echo does and uh, the Siri devices do, to actually have better understanding of what you're trying to say. So Mycroft is tapping natural language processing technology to enable everyday use, they say, in the car. Their, na their natural language processing incorporates computer science, artificial intelligence, and computational linguistics. Double, double tap on that one. To understand uh, human language as it is spoken. Which kind of sounds like what a lot of these assistants do and would actually make the car stuff better. Um, one other thing about Mycroft before we move on. This might be more applicable to your daily life. Mycroft has gotten a plasmoid. So if you, this is really early day stuff. You're going to have to be running KDE, 5, KDE Plasma 5.9. So pretty much, I don't know, what? Uh, OpenZUSA Tumbleweed. Neon and Arch at this point, uh, but then you can install the KDE Mycroft Plasmoid. It's built on some of the latest technologies, and you'll you're gonna hit a wall if you don't have five nine. But once you have it set up, ladies and gentlemen, you can say, "Hey, Mycroft, register to my device." You'll pair then with home.mycroft.ai. You'll immediately notice that text is both spoken and displayed on the little widget, and this is just an alpha version. So you'll be able to ask things like, "What's the weather?" And that's nice. that's kind of it, actually. <laughs> that's kind of no, it. No, but that, you know what though? That's a that's a great. I mean, if you look at the amount of time that Mycroft has been around, if you look at the the amount of time that we take that we take open source projects and we get them usable and in the hands of people, as compared to you know some corporation, which you know they first they announce something, their intentions, and then like two years later, you know they 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 announce that they that progress is going well, and then yeah. some conference comes out where they 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 show up, but you can't actually have it, and then like a year after that, you actually get your hands. Yeah. On it? Yeah. Compared to that model, I, I kind of tease because I actually think this is sort of a brilliant way to get it in the hands of more people than than can have a hardware device. So right. you, you just totally opened up the gates to way more people for testing. More testing also equals more data on their end. That seems like a good thing. Also, it looks like financially, Mycroft is getting interest from other people besides Jaguar too. There could be a real interest in a democratized AI, one that's not tied to Google or Microsoft or Amazon or Apple, and one that right. is just. You could run on your own servers. You know, if you're Jaguar and you can have a data center or two, you could run some really great Mycroft services for the people driving around. And you could see how somebody like Tesla or somebody like that could oh, use it. absolutely. The, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I, I kind of wonder if Tesla doesn't have their own, yeah. you know, internal team. But, you know, at the same time, there's nothing stopping them from taking their own internal team and, and taking them out. Hey, Zach, how are you? So we gotta we gotta we gotta take a brief break. This is uh, Zach Underwood. He is the uh, he is the gentleman. He we've met him up at, at Self Runs the Network itself, and uh, and he's with uh, he's here at Scale. I assume doing the Wi-Fi. In fact, I, I, I have you to thank for cutting off my wired connection. About, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Awesome. Hard cut. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for stopping. My thanks for all the, the Wi-Fi was excellent. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm streaming on my, uh, you know I'm on my hotspot now, but I, I was on Wi-Fi and it was working. So thank you very much for all you're doing. W worked out really well. Network is, is point your mic, point your mic at him. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Get him on there. Get him on there. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. 
Is he kicking you out, Noah? Is he kicking you out? Oh, he's leaving. And uh, and and one one other thing. So, so the network has been absolutely fantastic, Zach. And and the other thing is the the, the wire connection was fantastic, almost better than the uh, the network I have at home. Yeah. So um, this year we were um, we had 250 down, 250 up, and Whoa. we were able to max it out. Um, we had about uh, 215 down and about 100 um, 150 up was peak, and we did about. Um, Due to the AV, we we did um, almost as much bandwidth up and down. We did about uh, 1.5 terabytes up and down. Wow. Holy crap! Wow, that's crazy. So, tell me a little bit about uh, what what went into getting this to work. How long have you been here getting this network set up? <laughs> so, I actually flew in um, Sunday morning, which was a week ago, and um, we we got started on Monday morning and been averaging. Uh, most nights, if we, if we can get to bed by midnight, I'm happy. Um, and mo most days we've been doing um, 16, 18 hours a day. Wow. That's incredible. And uh, and you guys, and you're, you're tearing everything down today? Yeah, yeah. We, um, basically, the storage facility closes at 9 p.m., so we have to get everything over there and in storage by 9 p.m., except we have talks running until 6 p.m. Wow. See, three hours... What uh, what does the hardware layout look like for the like the wireless system here? So um, the wireless system here is a it uses um, Netgear 3700s um, and the switches are HP Pro Curves um, and we have 40 switches and about 125 130 access points spread between the two buildings. And those are those stock firmware or those are WWRT? Um, they, they run um, OpenWRT, but we made our own custom firmware for oh, them awesome. because the default firmware for these um, comes with um, a web UI, no SSH enabled, and a static address of 192.168.1.1. Well, we don't need that. That's, that's crap. So um, what we did is we made a custom firmware with our SSH keys, and um, it is also a DHCP client. So when it comes up online, it's, it, it comes up um, using static reservations. We know what its IP address is, mm -hmm. and then we have a shell script that will push the config down to it um, using um, SCP and SSH. Nice. Absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you so much for everything you guys are – thank you very much for everything you're doing. You guys are doing a fantastic job, and uh, really appreciate you having you. Thanks for stopping by the booth and, and saying hello. Yeah, yeah. I tried saying earlier to you, but you couldn't hear me from the catwalks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they have – so they have up in the ceiling. They, uh, I guess, uh, that's uh, that's where the access points. Wow. Are. Um, no, that, that's where the switch and all the cables are coming down. Uh, there's actually um, the thin black cables. You may not see them on camera, but um, those are our drops that come from the ceiling down to the show floor. So we don't have any cabling um, that leaves these um, booth areas. Oh, fantastic! That's yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, you can actually, if you look real yep. carefully, you can kind of see where that, where that, uh, where that cable just yeah. kind of drops down, and, yep. the, and they go. So you just have one of those per booth, and it's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much for everything you're doing, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple, in a couple months. Yeah, and we got to talk about self. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, what he's referring to is um, so Altaspeed is providing all of the equipment, uh, networking equipment for uh, for self. We did last oh, year, and we'll, we'll do it again this yeah. year. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll. Uh, we should. I would love. I would love to be able to document that about just yeah, anything sure. we can of that process. So yeah, that is. Yeah, that's really cool for him to stop by. I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So when you come out here, Noah, for Linux Fest Northwest this year, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to have something for us to play with. That's it's going to be Linux Great. only, and it's something I've waited for for years. I'm oh, really, yeah. I'm really excited about our last news story this week. Valve has shipped a developer build of Steam VR, Steam VR, for Linux. Straight up stream, stream easy for me to say. Straight up Steam VR, 
uh, which is uh, totally in beta right now. Big disclaimer. And I'm not sure how in beta because I don't have one yet. But to me, this is, I think, a pivotal moment. So a pivotal, geez, I'm all, I can't speak at all now. I'm all excited about streaming and scale and events. There's a couple of, yeah, and VR. There's a couple of big caveats. So that's why, uh, here's what I'm thinking, is it's going to only work in certain conditions when you have like an i7 processor, a 970 or better uh, video card, and a machine that has the capability of running the latest NVIDIA beta driver, so that way you can get the latest and greatest Vulkan. In fact, just the latest beta driver for NVIDIA is just fixing stuff with Steam VR under Linux. But it's sure. happening now. You have to have NVIDIA. You have to have the beta driver. You have to have something that supports Vulkan. And you have to have some serious hardware performance. There's also some UDEV rules that have to be changed under Linux, which the latest Steam client does change. Mm-hmm. And then once all of these requirements are met and you have the HTC Vive VR headset, you hook it up and you can start playing games today like Serious Sam VR, which is now officially on Linux. It's a VR first-person shooter available for Linux. I, I Here's where I stand on VR is um, I'm pretty much convinced it's going to be a flop, just like sort of 3D has really? been a flop. Really? Yeah, I kind of am. I disagree. I disagree. And I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll say two things. God, I hope you're right, dude. All, First of all, I think that the, the the first thing is that I'm glad to see that this, to me, is the first evidence we've seen in probably nine or ten months that Valve is still committed to Linux, right? Because, like, yes. for a while it kind of seemed like Steam machines were dying off and, like, yeah, they already had all the infrastructure on Linux, so why pull it away? But there's not been, like, a huge, like, monetary investment. This is them, I feel like, putting their foot, like, solidly in the concrete saying, no, we're not backing down. We are still definitely interested in Linux. And with the, with the Steam box kind of up in the air, that means that they're actually interested in Linux, not just selling a hardware device, which is really encouraging yeah. to me. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I think, I, I tell you why I respectfully disagree with you on, on VR, is is once you have used the, the Vive, and I, 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 I've, I've only played with, like, some of the other ones, like, you know, obviously there's, like, the Google Cardboard, and there's, like, the, the Samsung VR and stuff, and those are kind of cool. They're like, eh, interesting. Once you take a look at the Vive and you you play with that, you experience that. It is so it's so different from anything that you could ever imagine. Yep. And me, I joke all the time that I'm a gamer, but I'm not. And even I would spend a thousand dollars on the Vive if it were to work on Linux. So, well, my friend, the, my friend, it is. I, I think uh, it might be coming. Yeah, it is not a thousand dollars. It is seven ninety nine, and Bitcoin right now is worth one thousand twelve hundred and seventy one dollars. <laughs> So exactly. it was 0. 0.4 Bitcoin for me to get an HTC Vive. So that you way, got one. I did. I did. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, I did. I got one because I figured you coming out here for Linux Fest, we could hook it up to AirMaster and we could actually play around with the HTC Vive under Linux in the studio and record our first impressions. If it vanishes when after uh, coincidentally the same day I leave, it was not me. <laughs> I so I had, if you recall that I had the Oculus DK2 development kit during that brief period of time where they were still supporting Linux. Um, Because essentially, once a VR manufacturer comes out and says, I raised my hand for Linux, I'm on board, man, because I want this to work. So I got the DK2 when when they said "Um, Linux, and now I'm getting the Vive when they've said Linux. Yeah, and the, the, the three months that I played with the DK2 were, it was... It was one of those moments, you're going to hate that I say this, but it was like when I saw the iPhone for the first time and I said, I said to my friend at work that day, I said, this is going to be the future of all cell phones. Touch screen, all glass, no more physical keyboard. This is going to be the future of phones. It was like that moment when you see something, you go, 
Ah, uh, this you, is you how they're going to do it from a, now on. You never had a trio or a pre at the time then, huh? No, I did. I really did. I, I was, dude, I was all in. The, 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 the pre had no screen. I had the Q <laughs> too. No I actually, I was, all, I was, I at the time, I think I was rocking the Moto Q, which was uh, like half a screen and a QWERTY keyboard. Right. And, and then I think somewhere in there, I also had the BlackBerry, but I knew as soon as I saw that, it was obvious that was the way it's going to be. Uh, and it was when I put on the DK2 and I was on a raft in the middle of the ocean. And I'm just chilling in the middle of the ocean all of a sudden. And I actually had like a visceral like sense moment where I was like, holy crap. I feel like I'm on. Oh, this is going to people are going to actually buy this. This because it's like almost it's almost like a drug. It's like it's like the way to get right. a fix. And yeah. when you can combine it now with things that are uh, um, not just gaming, but there's a lot of things like uh, Google. Google has a ton of stuff that's really meant for cardboard, but will also work with the Vive. Mozilla is working on VR stuff, which uh, Noah and I have talked to them about in the past. There's a right, lot of right. use cases outside of gaming. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the biggest use case, and I don't mean to take the show away from something that's family friendly, but the, I think one of the biggest things that is going to be a game changer for VR is going to be the adult entertainment industry. I think that I think that 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 industry is always looking to get more and more closer to real life, and I think VR, you know, really captures that, and I think that is going to be a yeah, huge pivotal thing. I agree, but pivotal I think what that could that could end up like. <clears throat> The mobile VR stuff, like like the Samsung VR stuff and the Google Cardboard, yeah. mm-hmm. that's baby VR. That's that's I agree. that's I baby agree VR. Yeah. But I think that's yeah, the stuff because it's cheap and people already have phones that are capable of doing this. Uh, and like you know, it's going to be a huge thing over twenty seventeen is uh, Google Daydream or Dayview or whatever they call it, um, Daydream or whatever, Daydream. Um, that's going to just like be built into like all future Android phones. Just comes right. with it, like a crappy VR with. Well, and I, I also, when I got the Vive, just for comparison's sake, I also ordered, it cost $12, a plastic mold for my Nexus 6P that I put my 6P nice. in and it becomes a VR headset. So I'm going to compare the Vive to that to have no, more. No. But I'm telling you, baby VR is what's going to take off. And I think that could, <laughs> boom, I think that could tank real VR. Because when you see that, you're like, this isn't that great. You'll have to excuse my, my ignorance. You or, the, the, the Steam VR goggles, these are the HTV Vive? Yes, sir. HTC Vive. Yeah, that's that's really? the yeah you gotta have the yeah which is a great which is a great so piece of hardware. The, so they dropped the price then. I guess to seven ninety nine. Like if you consider that dropping eight hundred dollars, that seems pretty expensive for uh, something that then still going to require like, a ton of graphics. I'm not yeah. sure if my two, two grand computer. Yeah. I don't know if my I think I have like a nine sixty or a nine seventy. I didn't sure. order a new video card because I mean come on I'm, I got. I, I like Bitcoin. I don't want to give it all yeah. away on this stuff. Like, <laughs> exactly. yeah. but I'm right. I really think like I was just picturing like. Us as a group hanging out, playing VR while we wait for Linux Fest, capturing that. I think it. I anyways. I, I'm I'm very excited because I've been waiting for one of the big VR platforms to come out and say Linux. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was going to be Oculus, and I'm really glad to see Valve doing this because, like Noah's analysis, yep. which I completely concur with, this is in light of updates on the Steam machines. This is one of the biggest indicators we have seen from Valve that they're still supporting Linux. And that's really what's to be excited about. So we'll give you our full take. We'll try it out. We'll plug in Linux. Michael Lairbel from Phronix has said it's a two-hour process to set up. The Vive itself is a bit of a process to set up. It's not consumer-grade yet, but now we'll have a beachhead. We'll be there following this technology under Linux, letting you guys know how it goes, letting you guys know if it's legit or if it's hype. 
and that kind of stuff. So I'm excited in that regard. I don't know when it's going to be here, and I don't really know if I want to set it all up on my own or wait till you get here, but either way, Mm -hmm. we'll have reporting in the show in the near future. Now it's time to dig into some of your great feedback, follow up on the format, and announce our next big meetup aside from Linux Fest Northwest. Before we dive into all of that, I got to thank DigitalOcean for not only supporting this show now for a heck of a long time, but also for being the back-end infrastructure for a ton of the network now. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. It's all one word, kind of like you're slurring it. Maybe you're intoxicated. Maybe you just don't care. I don't know. DigitalOcean.com. You create the account. You apply it. You get a $10 credit, and you can spin up a Linux rig on their KVM infrastructure in no time with all SSDs, a simple and intuitive API. You can get it up and running seconds, probably, I don't know, you tell me. People used to tweet me their times, they've stopped. I Do it again. Tell me how long it takes. Tweet me your spin-up time. It's probably going to be under 55 seconds, I bet. I think the record was somewhere around 40 seconds? At Chris LAS. Let me know your spin-up time. They got 40 gigabit E connections coming into their hypervisors. They have team accounts. You can break down their pricing monthly, or which is my preferred way when I'm just trying things out, hourly. For three cents an hour, you can get a hell of a machine at digitalocean.com. And they also have a new load balancer system that really makes you look like a boss, makes your infrastructure scale. Lock right. Digitalocean.com, built-in load balancer. You manage it right through their control panel. Only 20 bucks a month. Man, talk about being able to look slick. Also, check out their great tutorials. They have tons of them, and they're adding more all the time. Go to their community tab. You can click on the the tutorial section specifically and uh, dig around in there. You'll be really impressed. Not all of it's necessarily DigitalOcean specific. So if you're kind of shopping, that's a good place to start because you'll get information that's probably relevant to all Linux rigs. And then when you sign up, after you've created your account, apply our code. Here's the thing. All one word. Get a $10 credit. Try out that $5 rig two months for absolutely free. DigitalOcean.com. Find out why Noah and I have tons of our infrastructure over at DigitalOcean. It just works so dang well. And they got data centers all over the world. So, Noah, you're in California. Next weekend is South by Southwest down in Texas, which we will not be at. Although I've surprisingly had a lot of people ask me about South by Southwest. I've never gone. Have you ever been to South by? Well, I think I, I think I went there once. Uh, one I of the first went. when when Alex was back when Alex was down in Texas. Uh, the, I think the first year he moved, I think I went, but uh, it doesn't have anything to do with. Linux, I know. So. I'm surprised. <laughs> I think a lot of tech people go there in general, though. Uh, we are going to be in the Austin area in early April, and if you would like to meet up in about the first week of April, we'll have a Telegram group already going right now. I've linked to it on my Twitter feed at Chris Les. Uh, and I'll try to put a link in the show notes. If you are in the Austin area and would like to meet up with Noah and I, we'll be organizing in the Telegram group, and then eventually uh, we'll probably set up an official meetup page at meetup.com slash Broadcasting. I've never been. I know you've been to Texas. I've never been to Tejas Wait, before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to it. The, the Austin area, the Round Rock area. There's a company down there you might be familiar with. They make a line of ex- oh, what laptops, desktop, what? Yeah, we're gonna go down there and do some uh, some fun things with uh, Dell in the Austin area. So if you uh, are down there and want to meet up with us, uh, meet up with us while we're visiting Dell, that's the Telegram thread to be in. I'm gonna take the RV. We're gonna do a whole road trip from Seattle boop, 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 all the way down to Texas, and then this crazy guy Noah is gonna fly in and uh, 
if all goes as planned, we will have uh, quite a bit to share with you guys from uh, Austin, Texas area. I think I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So I had this great note that came in from Mr. Tain on our, our subreddit, and I thought this probably applied to your life this week. He says, uh, mm-hmm. guys, where are some places that you found other Linux Action Show fans? You know, like normal places or someplace exotic. Recently, I met a last viewer named Justin at a local Smashburger in Texas. Speaking of Texas, he was wearing a last hoodie with a logo on it, so he walked up and said hi. Uh, and apparently he's been a viewer for a long time. So did you, uh, did you see anybody wearing our swag this week? Uh, um, I didn't see anyone wearing swag, but I had what? obviously at scale. Obviously at scale, I've had a number of people come up to me, tell me they're big fans of the show. I've had people approach me in airports. <laughs> I'll be just be sitting there working on my laptop. <laughs> somebody come up, sit down next to me and say, "Hey, I'm a big fan of the show. Really love it." Um, I've run into, I, I ran into a last viewer in when I was uh, in Amsterdam. Um, so I mean, literally, pretty much anywhere you go, there are last viewers. There are people that are mm. interested in Linux. There, they are among us. We just, uh, we just. I saw some photos from the uh, on the Twitter feed because the, the uh, hashtag scale. Uh, 15x uh, Twitter uh, sure. hashtag boom hit that. Mm-hmm. I saw some last swag. I saw some. No. Did you? Okay. That's why I, expe- okay. I expected you to say you did because uh, I'd seen yeah. it on the no, on no, the no, tweeters. You know that's our bad. That is full on our bad. We should have been equipping people with last swag because mm-hmm. let let's be honest. One of the best ways to meet up with other local when you go to an area you don't really know anybody. You want to meet up with folks that are in that same area, know they're like minded, have something to talk about. When they're wearing last swag, you immediately could you have the option to start up a conversation. You know, you can talk right. about crazy Noah or crazy Chris, and you guys can rag on us for a good solid 20, 30 minutes or more. Uh, I guess. Wait a minute. Hmm. Let's move on. So one of the things we've been experimenting recently with the show is a different flow, a different sort of format flow where we start with the main topic, the title topic, as it were, of the show right at the beginning, and then we sort of work into the rest of the things. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people have given us feedback, say they really, really like the new feed, the new format. However, not everybody. It's not been universal. There has been some concern. The most common complaint is it's sort of like eating dessert before dinner. Have you heard that one? I, I didn't see that specifically. Yeah, that's why a wide variety of uh, of different. I got it. I got. I got. I got. I got. It was funny. I was even. I was even remarking to uh, the beard the other day. Like the people that are complaining almost universally are saying to me, "It's like getting served dessert before my dinner." Totally understand that. Uh, we, but I don't necessarily know if bailing on the new format is the right option. It maybe just means we need to now focus on those other segments. I actually think it's kind of a nice like. Flash, here's what we're talking about. And then the people that stick around, I feel like the the remaining segments are a little bit more of like hanging out with friends. It's right. been a little I, – I like the feel of the segments after – because to me, the sense has been we get the main topic over with and then Noah and I – okay, we're done with what we came here to do. Now let's just right. have fun, talk about Linux news, talk about cool software. And right. I kind of am like – so what I'm thinking, and I'm, I haven't – we probably should have talked about this, but, you know. Crazy week. Uh, I'm thinking we stick with the new format for like another three episodes and then reevaluate. But I'm, I'm liking it right. so far. Yeah, uh, and you know the other thing is too is I I think you know if you're if you're watching the show you care about the Linux ecosystem Linux community and if and if you want to see that community grow and you want to see that community build the way we do that is we get eyeballs on the episodes and the way to do that is to not have people click off the episode because they clicked on something because they wanted to learn about scale and then they sat through 40 minutes of picks and news and stuff like that so keep that in mind too you know it's, it's something you can tolerate for a little bit you know. As a way, as a, yeah. as a means to an end, and it's not—it's not just for drive-bys either. Uh, I also think people that are commuting, you know, they see the title of the episode. Maybe they right. only have a 25, 30 thirty-minute commute, and then they're over. Mm-hmm. 
And then the people who have longer commutes, there's still a lot more show for you. Uh, and yeah, great point. So one of the things that I often do when we're kind of on the fence is I ask our patrons at patreon.com slash Jupiter Signal, the folks that are helping us stay independent. And I say, what do you think? What do you like? And I ask right. them, should we keep the new last format? And uh, we had 122 votes. 81% said that we should keep it. And 19% said that they didn't like the new format. That's a pretty strong victory. It's 99 votes versus 23 right. votes. Uh, to keep the new format. So yeah, we're going to keep the new format for a few more weeks. I don't feel like we've nailed it yet. I feel like we've gotten really close, sure. but I, the, everything we do on this show, because it the show is a train that never stops. Every single week we ship an episode on Sunday, and that doesn't give us a week to make things right. So we have to iteratively improve as we go, because it, our only opportunity to make it better, both as busy guys that have other, other things going on, but also as a show that's on a weekly schedule, we just have to iteratively make it better. So ju I just ask you to trust us like um, a year ago or whatever it was when we experimented with audio only. And then we iteration after iteration, we refine that till we're back to where we are now uh, <laughs> for better or worse. Hey, oh, everybody. Uh, hello. Here we are. But uh, we're going to try to do something similar. We're going to work on it, make it iterative, try to make it better and come up with something that might look a little different than what we have now. But essentially, in the end, should be better. We hope so. Anyways, thank you to everybody who voted on the Patreon, patreon.com slash jupitersignal if you want to sign up and get in on uh, future things like that. Or, you know, if you're just stealing the live version of this show and feel guilty about stealing it now for a while and want to go get the official post, you know, you know who you are. Patreon.com slash jupitersignal. All right, let's go do the picks. And now it's time for the picks brought to you by System76. Go over to System76.com and get a rig built, designed, created for Linux. And also, check out the new Galago Pro 13-inch high DPI monster coming soon, as well as the Oryx Pro, the Gazelle, and the Lemur at System76.com. Go over there get a desktop or a laptop or even a server. In fact, they showed off a pretty awesome server at scale, too. System76.com. And thanks to System76 for sponsoring this segment of the Linux Action Show. Now, speaking of virtual reality, we didn't get a chance to mention augmented reality. Augmented reality, which could maybe be the real winner in the end, uh, was showing off at Mobile World Congress. And this is an augmented reality helmet that runs Linux. The whole damn helmet. It actually runs Ubuntu. It's yeah. It takes takes the whole Hololens interface and brings it up to the next level. It runs a Snap packages and Ubuntu Core. It's a shiny helmet powered by a sixth generation Intel Core M7 processor. It's got a wide angle camera with dedicated processors for augmented reality applications. Now look at this, Noah. So in this graphic, they're like this guy's looking at pipes. And he's getting real-time temperature readings of pipes that are showing on his heads-up display. It's got uh, transparent displays, which have been ruggedized for industrial environments and uh, high brightness for easy use outdoor. It's got an integrated RGB camera with stereo infrared cameras with an infrared light projector. They work together to intuitively allow the helmet to infer depth. I could kind of see yeah, this. It, it, yeah, it really, it looks like that is really the finalization of what I had always hoped my Google Glass would be, right? Yeah. Like this idea yeah. that it, we just integrate technology and, and information into daily life and to make daily life better. I think uh, this, to me, seems like it would have the most practical industry application, yes. like in enterprise yep. and, and large businesses, at refineries, but even like... 
I was picturing, imagine, oh my God, just imagine like walking into like a wiring closet, putting on this helmet, and all of a sudden all the wires are traced and labeled. I mean, somebody else yeah. would have had to do yeah. the work, but yeah. just imagine like being able to look at yeah. the wire and knowing like everything about that, about that Cat5 cable. How amazing even, that would even be. Sim- even simpler than that, even just walking into a building and knowing that Wi-Fi is available and knowing that you're connected to the internet, something like that, and I can look and say, you know, they say, well, the internet's down, I walk into a building. You know how many times I get a service call to go to a building because the internet's down and I walk in and, in fact, the internet's up? And that, that <laughs> you know, involves, like, going in, taking out your laptop, opening it up, connecting Imagine if that was just available right when I walk in so I could just walk in and say, hey, just let you know, network's back up, everything's working fine. So it's called the Daiquiri Smart Helmet. I'm, I'm assuming Daiquiri, D-A-Q-R-I, the Daiquiri Smart Helmet, and it's powered by Ubuntu. That's a pretty, pretty cool application, just be coming off speaking about VR. Now, you ready to kill Google Docs? Because everything's got to be a killer. Remember, we got to kill. Yes. we got to be yes. a killer. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> Standard Notes, uh, which is a collaborative back-end and front-end. I'll get into this in a second, but flow with this for a second. At this stage, it's a proof-of-concept collaborative text editor with end-to-end encryption whatever that happens to mean. And you just simply share the URL with anyone you want to collaborate with. But Noah, prepare your body because it's a full-on markdown editor. It is meant for collaborative, real-time, encrypted markdown editing. It uses this thing called Colab-Editor, which is an experimental real-time collaborative editing backend. And it uses standard notes, which is the front end. And you can uh, just uh, throw it up on your own server. And then you just toss somebody a URL, and next thing you know, you are a mess in Markdown. I mean, look at this. It's got color coding. Nice. I mean, this is some legit, this is some legit Markdown support here that would at this Absolutely. Look, it's even got fancy table support, which not all standard Markdown does. And then it's got this really crazy URL, which you could share with people. Um, or you, nice. you know, and if you host it yourself, it would be on your own domain, and then it generates this long token URL, kind of like a Google URL, which uh, are, are kind of unique. Anyways, um, I just wanted to mention this as a, as a pick just simply because for those of you that are looking to replace Google Docs like we are consistently and you do write in Markdown, it's so nice to have an application that actually supports this. So, right. uh, And then it says down in the bottom so you know it's real, encryption status, colon, end to end. Okay. I like those things. I'm assuming it's Me good too. encryption. Thankfully, it is all open source and it is all up on GitHub. If you're curious about that. All right. You ready for our distribution of the week? It's fresh. It's new. It's out as of just a week ago. It's called Zenwalk. Zenwalk, which uh, came out on uh, a little bit more than a week ago now, February 22nd. Now, this is a nice, slick build with GTK3 support. Firefox is looking good. They got also in there uh, the latest GStreamer patch for a, a GStreamer uh, um, bug that came out recently. But what is it? Why do you care? Because it's a fancy schmancy desktop built on top of Slackware. Slackware. Yeah, if you want to try out Slackware and you want an actual usable desktop that looks modern, has a has GTK3, has the latest Firefox, has the latest FFmpeg, MPV, and GStreamer. And you want it for some reason, try out Slackware, which <laughs> I still to this day have not bothered to try out. It's the only distro I, <laughs> I haven't. And now it's just almost a point of pride. Like, now I feel like when I try out Slackware, it's going to be a moment. And I don't think... You know, you, know what, you know what the great thing about Slackware is? 
They don't care if you try. No, I know. They, <laughs> they, they just don't. Like, they they don't, don't at all. They don't care at all. But, you know, people want a refuge from those crazy new technologies like System D. You can check it out. Zenwalk with a current release. Get the latest and greatest. Um, also, I think they have, uh, they might be, there might be a way to get Chromium in there. I'm not sure. And the desktop looks pretty good. Although I'm over docks, but they do have a hell of a transparent window on that terminal. Hell of a transparent window, which uh, probably going to get them a few downloads. Anyways, Slackware, everybody. Have you tried Slackware? No, have I ever asked you that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Slackware was, I think, the... I, I guess it would be the second distribution I ever tried. I, I started on Red Hat. I, I went to Slackware to see what it was like. I couldn't get a graphical interface. This is, you know, back in the late 90s. Early what? How, do you, how does that work? How do you end up on Slackware? I mean, like, there was Debian. <laughs> there was uh, there was a, there was a there was a guy I added on MSN Messenger that knew about Linux and so I had he, he was like my go-to person to ask questions and I I told him that I installed Red Hat and I'd been using it for a couple months and I was really happy with it and he said no really man what you need to do is you need to use the Slackware well, at the time you put Slackware on these floppy disks you put them in and you installed it and you you had a, yep. a just a, a text based environment oh, yeah. and I didn't know how to I didn't know how to get beyond that and I was like well I'd rather have the graphical one so I guess I go back to Red. <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't know that there was a graphical interface. So yeah, it was like the second distribution I tried. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, if you and here's what I always tell people that haven't used Slack, and I've, I've since I've looked at it since then. Maybe we should do a review. But I always tell people when they say when they they list the things they don't like a Slackware. When's the last time you've tried it? Because it has changed a lot. They mm. have you know a repository now, and yeah, it's it's gotten it's gotten much better. Well, that could be a good way to dip your toe in. You never know, right? That could be a good way to try it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Zenwalk GNU Linux, if you want to try it out, with now with GTK multi-threading enabled by default, as it says in their little pitch. That's uh, <laughs> a good though. It's good. It's good. It's all good. I don't mean to say little. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to give me a hard time for not using Slack or oh, get ready for this one. I also like Nano. What does he even know how to Linux? Let me know at Chris Las if you want to interact with me. No, where do people find you? I am at uh, on Twitter at Kernalytics, and I use uh, I use Vim. It's particularly useful if you want to generate a random string. Just set a non-Vim experienced person down in front of it and tell them to get out of Vim, and then they have a random string. <laughs> How do I? Uh, yeah, uh, you can also follow the network at Jupiter Signal for uh, news about shows, releases, changes, things like that, and uh, JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash/contact if you want to send us in your feedback. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. If there was something content-wise you didn't hear us cover this week and think we should know about it, or something that maybe you'd like to suggest we cover, an open-source project that could use a little love, or please, a distro that's worth spotlighting, LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. You can find all of the other good things, like stories that didn't make it into this show, also listed there. It's a very active subreddit with... Jeez, Noah. Do you, do you have a guess how many people are on that subreddit? Do you have a guess? It's something like... Oh, 10,000. Yeah, it's something, like, it's something like 10,000 people that are over there these really? days. I'm yeah, making that up. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. 10,850 Linux users uh, over there. Oh, look at that. Look at that. They got a picture. Uh, there's a picture of the new uh, System76 rig. Uh, look at people over there. People over there. So nice. So you can also submit content and things like that at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Last but not least, I'd like to invite you to join us live on Sundays. We're back to our regular live schedule. Get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar and watch it at jblive.tv. Okay. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll see you right back here next week. Safe travels, Noah! I found out what the limit. I found my limit. My limit is something around like 50 hours. Apparently, I can't do 50 hours without sleep. My body just like shuts down, and then it's like, one more. 
Like you, you have to sleep. Even if last is going on, you oh, have to Noah, sleep. Oh no, 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 no! It's <laughs> it's so much worse than that. It is so much worse that you don't even know yet. So it's it's gonna be life changing for you because you're gonna have to struggle with one of your core things. It's it's key for you. So here's what's happening. I'm just gonna tell you now because uh, I've okay. been there. I've been through this journey. You are beginning a transition period where your body's not going to be able to do this all the time. But because I'm now telling you this, you won't accept it because I'm saying right. you can't do something. So then right. you're going to have right. to go up against. Down. Right. So the real the real struggle you are about to face is the struggle that somebody said you can't do something. Therefore, you must do it. You will have right. to you will have to lose that battle before you accept the fact that your body's telling you you can't do that kind of sleep thing anymore. I, I predict that. I That's my prediction saying. for you. That's my prediction oh, for you. I know it's bad. See? This is what's this is what happened. Hi guys. Hi guys. How are you? How's Blackjack Software? Awesome. We we are streaming. That's my co-host. He's waving. Yeah. 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 You guys don't happen to have a network cable, do you? Cat, <laughs> you are you are amazing. What? Oh, it's even is it's even connected. I don't know if you're going to stay here for a long time though. Let's see. Let's see how long this will take. Okay, we're going to set this up. Look, oh, Black Duck Software, everyone. Black Duck Software, these guys are about to save the show. Are we going to lose you when you switch over connections? Possibly. We just lost them. <laughs> did I call that or did I call that? So it's, it was interesting. So I was on a so as uh, as probably going to become public uh, fairly quickly as I, uh, it, it, I I was not uh, I was not at the studio last week. I was actually out uh, with my wife celebrating my 10th anniversary. She didn't what? know it, but we, yeah, we went to Tokyo, and uh, and so I spent some time in, in Tokyo and Kyoto. But one of the interesting things on a 10-hour flight, Air Canada bans the use of Bluetooth headsets, right? And so that's barbaric. <laughs> so one of the things I saw was a bunch of iPhone 7 users that were sitting there like. With doing the, one of these numbers, like kind of half watching their no. phone, half, half no, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 and so like, and you know, in an airplane, it's very difficult to hear to begin with, and so they had to push it like kind of right against their ear, and so you know, you saw people like like listening to to podcasts, and of course, they're not doing it for very long, and then you know, eventually they would relegate to spending four ninety nine or five ninety nine on the in flight entertainment system, but um, it was just kind of interesting, kind of watching like if you don't have the little dongle to be able to connect the headset. What was that? I don't know something broke. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh yeah, now I got a burp. Now I got a burp. This is what I get. Uh, see, but see how I waited, right? I mean, come on. All right, here we go. That was good, that was yeah, good showmanship. Uh, nice. I got a lot of burps in me. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, just means we're time to do the next segment. That's all. Okay, you ready to do the news? I am uh, recording. Uh, hey Noah, I know you're uh, you've flown all over the country and back. If you could just quit screwing around so we could do the show now. I don't know. No I don't know. problem. <clears throat> My apologies. Hey, you know what? Legitimately, today's the one day where you can, like, where, where, like, that's legitimately true. Like, I have cost us about, well, about an hour and a half, actually. <laughs> it's all right. It's all, all right. right. Here we go.